Welcome to the Woman Warriors Podcast, where we're working to help you call a truce with your anxiety. The information in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Now, here's your host, Elizabeth Cush, LCPC. Hi, and welcome back to the Woman Warriors podcast. This week, my guest is Lori Cameron. She is the founder of the leadership consulting company, Purpose Blue, and a senior mindfulness teacher with Google's Search Inside Yourself Leadership Institute. A mindful meditation practitioner for more than two decades, Cameron has studied with some of the world's master teachers and is now a senior fellow at George Mason University's Center for the Advancement of Well-Being, and a professor of mindful leadership at the University of Maryland's Robert H. Smith School of Business. She was a leader in Accenture's change management practice, an organization development executive at Williams-Sonoma and Blue Shield, and is a sought-after global speaker whose clients include Deloitte, Google, NASDAQ, Capital One, McKesson, and Cisco. She and I are going to chat about her new book, The Mindful Day, Practical Ways to Find Focus, Calm, and Joy from Morning to Evening. I'll be incorporating some of the strategies from Lori's book into my mindfulness groups this fall. If you'd like more information on the groups, you can go to my website, progressioncounseling.com, and click on the link for groups. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hi, Lori. Thank you so much for joining us on the Woman Warriors podcast today. Thank you. I am delighted to be here. We're so excited to have you, and we're going to be talking about your book, The Mindful Day, but I would also like the listeners to just get a sense for who you are and, and what brought you into this field of working? I mean, it seems like you're working with, you know, corporations and executives and teaching about mindfulness. And so what brought you here? Well, a couple of paths came together to bring me right into mindfulness at work and and mindfulness in life. And one of those is I've always been interested in what makes human beings flourish and thrive you know, why are some people so um, adaptable and resilient and agile and able to access joy and and peace in the midst of chaos? And, mm-hmm. and why are others of us so prone to more um, limiting beliefs or anxiety or stress and don't always bounce back after challenging times? So that's been my career for 30 years. I've been focused on human growth and development and particularly in organizations, so really looking um, or you know working a lot in leadership development. And alongside of that, about 20 years ago, one of my clients noticed that I was stressed and working in a big technology um, project out in California. Mm-hmm. And this client said, have you heard of mindfulness? And I said, no, I haven't. <laughs> and she taught me about what mindfulness was and that I could deliberately use my own mind and develop skills to navigate life. So those two paths of mindfulness and human development and leadership development came together in the middle, I'd say 10 years ago, 
and um, and really are it's it's just unfolded beautifully with being able to bring this both together in my work. Nice. I can hear your little doggy barking in the background. That's nice that, that you have a friend there with you. Yeah, I'm so sorry. He's okay. my sweet golden retriever and he only barks if I do a podcast or radio interview. <laughs> so if you if we can do just a slight pause, I'll let him outside. Okay. Okay. I'm back. Sorry about that. I thought he had it together today. No worries. <laughs> I, I have a little dachshund at home that I can't record there because he will bark at me every time. <laughs> but, um, well, I just want to say that I loved what you just said about using like mindfulness being using your own mind to manage your stress, which yes. of course I know that's what it is because I also practice mindfulness, but that is such a great way to frame it because it gives us the control about like sometimes I think worry and anxiety feel like I, I have no control over that, but we do. Yes, absolutely. And and one of the most exciting breakthroughs in the neuroscience of mindfulness is that we now know that we can deliberately engage in specific practices that help us direct our attention, access awareness of our thoughts and emotional, you know, physiological sensations in the body, and build skills to be able to work with the thoughts and emotions that we have, to surround them with more spaciousness, these are deliberate exercises and practices that we're testing in the lab uh, around the world. And it's been a really um, gratifying thing in my own life to bring those to companies. And I teach at the University of Maryland, you know, to different places where people can learn those yeah. and really become agents. Like you said, they be, it's an empowering thing. It truly is. And I think part of me gets a little frustrated because there is like so much out there now, like every time you turn around, it's like people talking about mindfulness, but it is so powerful. Like it really truly has uh, changed my relationship with anxiety and stress. But some of the things that you talk about in your book are what I loved about it was that, and I'm talking about the mindful day is that it's, it's simple, really. I mean, it takes practice it takes intention, but it's not hard. Yeah, I think what's, um, thank you, by the way, so much for reading the book and mm-hmm. uh, talking about what you appreciate about it. Um, I, I think the challenge is, um, a couple things uh, amplify challenges. One is we've got deeply ingrained patterns. So we're all conditioned from the time we're born into our own families and schools and places of worship and neighborhoods. I mean, even the way of being and acting in Annapolis is different than here, you know, yes. closer to the White House. Yes. Even though we're, I'm only 45 minutes away. So we're, we're very conditioned in how we respond to life. Mm-hmm. And that's deep. And yeah. that is hard to repattern or mm-hmm. rewire. So the practice point you brought up is absolutely essential. Yeah. That concepts and practices might be simple to understand, like stopping and taking a breath, but being able to to start to create new ways to respond to challenge Mm -hmm. is where it takes practice. And if we don't practice, 
you know, reading a book, even The Mindful Day, but I recommend all of you to read it, but even mm-hmm. reading a book and watching a movie is not going to be enough. We yes. have to really bring it into our lives and work with it. Yeah, we have to implement the, the strategies daily. Well, it's funny because uh, another guest a few episodes ago said like, you know, he, I guess one of his clients came and said, you know, I meditated yesterday or this week and I don't feel any different. And he's like, yeah, well, I went to the gym yesterday and I haven't lost any weight yet, you know? So it's like, (laughs) this takes practice. This is a practice. It does take time because we are so set in those patterns and it's so easy to just fall back into those old patterns of behavior, of worry and stress and multitasking and being mindless. Yeah. And the other thing going on is our evolutionary biology. Yeah. So we are, we are, we are designed in a way, our brain and nervous system and body is, is not designed to be blissed out and peaceful. It's designed <laughs> to survive. And we are wired to just have, you know, our constantly moving, wandering, distracted mind because we're looking out for threats or perceived threats that and that's what kept us alive back in the day on the savannah mm-hmm. and that's what we're wired to do now so we're always looking around we're very distracted so that makes it very hard to focus and that's just part of our biology mm-hmm. and then we've got this um, fight flight or freeze response this stress response that happens when we do perceive a threat so We've got this wiring, just our innate biology, and the good news, again, is that we can develop skills and capacities that offset the biology, because this is like a, you know, an, a, an ancient biology in a modern world, mm-hmm. and the power of the science of mindfulness and these specific practices is that we can almost, I don't want to say overcome, but it's as if we can navigate this biology mm-hmm. and then plus our, our own individual conditioning and our own genetic patterns that we've inherited. And then we can um, really be more resourceful and skillful and wise in the moments of our day. So for me, it's about, you know, how can I go do what I need to do? We all have things we need to do and want to do each day. And how can I do that with less suffering and less stress and more joy? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and I love, you know, I love that you sort of explain the biology piece in your book too, but also that like even just starting your day in a way that feels more joyful or restful or grounding can just that can make a difference in how you approach the day instead of like leaping out of bed when the alarm clock goes off and rushing around grabbing coffee and shower and going to work like be intentional you know take some time to slowly wake up in a pleasant uh, or more pleasant way and i think that's really powerful yeah it's really um it comes down to again creating new patterns i I, I realized, you know, I worked at Accenture, a global management consulting firm, and I've had a number of, of high-stress jobs and, you know, wonderful companies, but, you know, not known for a kicked-back lifestyle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I realized that I would wake up in the morning with kind of a sense of anxiety or dread sometimes. I would wake up and then I would start thinking of things I 
wished I had done the day before and I didn't get to, or maybe I had particularly challenging meetings coming up or big events and I would start to worry, either replaying the past or worrying about the future. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that, you know, I've spent a lot of time in the last 20 years and different mindfulness practice centers and monasteries and working with really great teachers. And I realized that I had the skills. I knew how to shift the contents of my mind, that I could let go of the anxious thoughts and deliberately choose thoughts like gratitude or appreciation or mm. you know other positive mind states. And I could do that before I stepped out of my bed. So this is a, like another deliberate practice that shifts what we're bringing our attention to. Mm-hmm. And we can do that first thing in the morning. It's funny because I would typically, um, my patterns were like, I would wait till I got to the office. I'd build in time so that then I could meditate before I started with clients during the day. And after, you know, reading the first whatever chapter or two of your book, I was like, I have that space. So basically I get up out of bed, go to the bathroom, jump back in bed and sit for 10 mm. minutes. And it's lovely. Like I approach the day coming downstairs, meeting my husband and my dog in a much more grounded way. And it's been uh, super great. I think that's really motivating. I was, I just got back from Paris two nights ago and I was mm. on Monday, I was working with a really inspiring group of people, a medical technology startup. Oh, wow. And they're making devices that will, this fall will be tested in um, pigs and the next spring in animals and it will really save lives. And And we were talking about these very things and this one guy said to me, well, what's your personal motivation? Because I was talking about how mindfulness helps mm-hmm. increase performance and it, um, it it deepens, you know, effective relationships and it improves well-being. And I was sharing all the research on that. And then he said to me over coffee, well, what's your personal motivation? And I think that the story that you just gave, the example of, you know, I notice when I do this 10-minute thing in the morning that I come down and meet my husband and child and dog in a very different way. Mm-hmm. And I think these, these are very real when we can connect to why this is important in my life in a very personal level. Like I become a different person with people that I love mm-hmm. or a, a better version of myself. Not the cranky, irritable, stressed out, frenetic running around in the morning. I'm actually, a, you know, yeah, they experience me differently. Yes. And I think for a lot of people, you know, they sort of identify themselves with that. Like I'm just a cranky person in the morning, right? Like this is just who I am. But, but you know, and maybe it is hard for you to wake up, but can you do this practice? And maybe it's not for everyone, but do this practice of 10 minutes and, and give yourself the space to wake up and gently enter the day. And however that is, I feel like it could make a big difference for people. I think so too. And I really like the way you brought up this idea of identity Mm. and how we identify ourselves a certain way. And that's all just part of the stories we tell ourselves. Absolutely. And we, we don't even see them anymore. We don't realize we've got all these stories about who we are and how we show up. And, mm-hmm. you know, am I a numbers person or am I a big pic- picture person? Am I a morning person or a night person? And I'm not saying there's no elements of truth to that, but 
we learn with mindfulness how to disidentify from these labels that often hold us back. And then we can add to that skills and capacities that um, allow us to shift and update that identity. Yeah. Well, and I think talking about, uh, well, myself, but also my practice, like, you know, people come to me and say, I'm an anxious person. And I'm like, well, you're a person who feels anxiety, right? Like, yes, let's, let's, let's not be the anxiety. Let's not make that who we are. But let's say that sometimes I feel anxious a lot of the time. (laughs) Right. I think that's great. And I, I write about that in the book that we shift how we relate to emotions yes. and we use language to change that story. Just that you, you like, just like you illustrated. And, you know, I, I, I was teaching with a, uh, one of my co-teachers is a former engineer at Google mm-hmm. and his parents are from wow. India and we were teaching about emotional awareness and how we can change how we relate to the emotion that we're experiencing. And, you know, we said where we once we were taught in, in the American language, the American English, and I think even in the UK English to say, um, I am sad or I am happy or I am stressed or whatever we're experiencing. And what we can learn to say is, you know, I'm experiencing anger in my body right now, or I'm experiencing sadness right now. Mm-hmm. But we, we remember the reality that emotions are temporary and impermanent, and they come and they go. And by shifting the language of how I talk about it, I create that distance, that perspective. And I can say, okay, I feel the anger. My cheeks are hot. My heart is pounding. My hands are sweaty, but this is temporary. Yeah, this is just how I'm feeling right now. Yeah. Yeah, I think that is so powerful. And I did love that chapter on the emotional awareness, I think, which is what I try to teach in my practice too, is that being able to identify how you're feeling, you know, saying like, yeah, I am feeling or I'm experiencing this instead of I am. It's so huge and externalizing, you know, kind of putting it out there like this is a part of what I am, but it's not who I am. Right. And I, I use a metaphor of the blue sky, you know, mm-hmm. that I am the blue sky and emotions come and they pass yeah. like weather patterns, but that's not who I am. Right. And I think right. that can really free people. That's kind of the freedom. When people talk about practicing mindfulness brings freedom, that sounds so conceptual and esoteric and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of woo woo. And people are like, what, <laughs> what freedom? What are you talking about? <laughs> You know, it took me a while when I first started learning all this 20 years ago, like what, what is, what is this freedom? And what I've come to discover is that I'm free from being on autopilot from, you know, these ideas and the conditioning and the evolutionary biology. I've, I can create some space and step back. Well, and free from just what we were talking about, those stories that we oh, yeah. come to believe are so true. And part of us, the whether you're like, well, wait a minute, this is just a story that has been told about me or that I've been repeating because it maybe people saw how this is who I was, but it's just a story. Uh, that's an, another great example. Because when we, we can't be free from things we don't see. Mm-hmm. And what mindfulness is doing is 
you know, there's some basic skills of attention and directing attention. And then the skills and capacity start to really expand and go deeper. And, you know, it's like skiing Mm -hmm. from bunny hills to black diamonds. And Mm -hmm. we start to um, be able to direct attention to these, these unconscious things, these things, the stories and the identities and and things that we don't even see. And all of a sudden we start to see them. And then once we see them, we can work with them, but we can't work with things we don't see. Yeah, that whole unconscious level of interpreting life and approaching things becomes more conscious. Yeah, exactly. So another part of your book that I loved and I don't want to miss talking about was the chapter on purpose. Like to me, Mm. and maybe it's just where I am in my life, but to me, that was such a powerful chapter. Um, And I'm going to try to read some of what spoke to me. And of course, I'm going to have to find my glasses, but (laughs) (laughs) I've got mine on too. Yeah. (laughs) So you were talking about making big decisions and it says, when big decisions come up, your purpose is your internal compass and mindfulness is the mechanism that helps you check in with your emotions, thoughts, and feelings about those questions. And I don't know, that just really spoke to me. It's like, you know, if we can be more aware of our emotions and our thoughts and our feelings when it comes to purpose. Like, I don't know, it just felt really powerful. And I also want, here's one more thing that the questions that you say to ask yourself, like when you're getting to this decision, say, get still and listen, what is most essential to me? What brings me alive? When am I at my best? What do I care about most? And using that process of self-inquiry to figure out what your values and maybe what your purpose is. Yeah, that is, um, I love that you brought up purpose. I was just writing this morning. I write uh, about once a week, maybe three times a month. I write and release that to my mailing list. Mm. And I was writing this morning about purpose. And um, so I was just thinking, really thinking about this. And and it's the reason I named uh, the company that I run Purpose Blue because we know from research that when we are motivated and driven and and connected to purpose, which is something that is bigger than ourselves, something outside of ourselves. So the the thing that I'm doing every day is not just for me, but it's serving um, a small or medium or large group of people. Right. Um, that is really the the secret that is the key to well-being and happiness mm-hmm. you know to a to a life of engagement and a life of meaning and a life of feeling good each day yeah. and that surpasses um, you know delicious ice cream or sailing on the Chesapeake Bay or moments of pleasantness and I'm not knocking those because I love feel good experiences and, you know, a new pair of shoes, (laughs) but that's not sustainable. And when we are active, when we're connected to purpose, then the actions we take and where we spend our money and where we spend our time and who we hang out with and the work we do does bring sustainable happiness. So it's really the key. And I think that the challenge is a to get clear on what might my purpose be, and it can evolve over time. Mm-hmm. And B, when I get caught up in the busyness of life, and I'm 
running from meeting to meeting and errand to errand and juggling all the components that, you know, I would say women especially are juggling, although I know there's a lot of men doing it too. Yeah. Um, how do we stay connected to purpose? I think it's a question I get a lot. So I wrote that chapter to highlight that and really talk about like, what are the ingredients of purpose and, and how can I reconnect to that when I'm blowing through my day, oh. racing to the finish line? Right. I don't know. I think sometimes it can be interpreted as less, this is my purpose in life, very serious. And, but it's bigger, like my purpose to tour, you know, it, it includes values, I guess, is what yes. I say. It's not just like I'm driven to work. It's what makes me tick? What is it? When do I feel my best? When, when am I most energized when I'm doing something? And can I keep that in mind as I'm making decisions or choosing what the next project might be. Absolutely. You know, when we can bring together our strengths and by that, I don't just mean skills and what we're good at, but strengths are things that I'm good at and they bring me alive, you know, Mm -hmm. things that I like to do and I'm good at them when that comes together and we connect that with, you know, what are the things that I care about the most? Can I, can I bring my strengths and, things that I love doing into something serving something bigger. So I just had a woman stop by this morning and and pick up some books that I signed for some different people. And she has a son that's recovering. I think he's in his second year from addiction. Mm. And she told me about this, this house or this, it's really a center in Washington, D.C. called Aquila or Aquila that I, I just learned about that works with all the families of, of people that are struggling with addiction, which is so prevalent in our society. And I said, oh, I'll, I'll contact that founder and I'll go down you know, on a Saturday morning and I'm, I'm happy to do a mindfulness talk. And for me, doing that talk is when I'm bringing my strengths and my passion into my purpose, you know, into serving something bigger than myself. And that is, I know, I mean, I'm doing that for that group, but I also know I'm doing it for me because that creates well-being and joy and happiness in me when I can have that alignment. And the amazing thing to me about if you are living your life purposefully, it does feel like you are bringing yourself joy and fulfillment, but you're also spreading that out into the world as well. Right. And people feel that. Yeah. So they feel it when we're alive and we're engaged and all of that's clicking and lined up. You know, I think, I think that's when we show up at our best and when we can do our best work, whatever field that might be in. So I'd like to read one more quote from your book because it just, again, spoke to me. And then I'm going to ask you to if you had some tip or something you would like to share with the audience that you feel like was important for them to take away from this podcast episode. So if that's okay. Yeah, I'd love to. All right. The quote, uh, I think was in the early section of your book, but um, it says you condition yourself so that your mindsets shift from being judgmental, anxious, or uncomfortable to receptive, appreciative, and compassionate. Mm. And for me, like that's, that's what mindfulness has brought into my life. You know, just that 
I feel more open. I feel less judgmental towards myself and towards others, which allows me to be more compassionate and appreciative. So it's, it's really um, such a powerful tool um, yeah. to experience too. Well, thank you so much for, for finding that quote and reading that and sharing that because yeah. I was just listening to you read that. You know, it's so it's still a very new and delightful experience to hear someone read something from my book. <laughs> it's my first book, so I'm like, oh wow, that's a great sentence. <laughs> but that's because I can really relate to it because I know I know what the before and the after feel like. Yes. And um and not that I don't have moments of the before still, oh, you know, where I'm feeling, you know, more narrow in my point of view like or my maybe yeah. I'm feeling clinging to being right or I'm yeah, or reacting you know, telling, to yeah, something. I still have those, but one thing I notice is that I notice them sooner, like I realize I'm caught up or hooked in yeah. something emotionally mm-hmm. and I'm able to meet that moment with compassion, self-compassion, yeah. you know, not beat myself up and say, Hey, you're the mindfulness teacher. What are you doing? You know, right. losing right. your patience, you know, but I just say, okay, here we are. Wow. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? I was going to say, it's funny. We, I just had that same conversation. I'm in the same building with a woman who um, is a yoga practitioner and brings, you know, she has clients that come in and we were talking about mindfulness and how we have to make sure we let the clients know that we go back into old patterns. We are reactive. We're, you know, but it is that we're always practicing and trying to reground and be aware, be more aware of when we are stuck up in those old patterns. Right. And what we find is that the old patterns and conditions start to loosen mm-hmm. and they start to, I, I sometimes use a metaphor of having a, you know, a field where we've got a well-worn path and the grass is all pushed down. And that's what our patterns do. That's what it looks like almost in the brain, their neural pathways. Mm-hmm. And then we start to walk a new path. And when that's why practice is important and we walk over and over and over on the new path. And then the old path is still there. Mm-hmm. But it starts to kind of grow over a little bit. It's not so prominent. We're more often on the new path. And once in a while, we find ourselves on the old one. But with, you know, it's much less frequent mm-hmm. and it, we're much less down in the valley of the grip. And I find that like incredibly motivating. And, you know, what, are, what a reward. So yeah. yes, I can focus and yes, I have more productivity or more performance because I'm not distracted all over the place. But I really find that I just I just have a, you know, I just have a more joyful life because I can walk this other pathway. Yeah, and and be less critical when I don't. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So I have a um a practice or tip I'd like to share. Oh, great. With your audience. Yeah. And it's a very simple practice. So it's three steps and it's called three breath. So that's something they can do anywhere, you know, in traffic on Route 50 or at work or at home, with, especially if they have teenagers, yeah. wherever they might be. But the, the, it starts with recognizing that, you know, you're in a challenging moment or you're feeling anxious or you're worrying or you're feeling overwhelmed or you're feeling like you dropped the ball or someone else did. So when we're in that 
moment of tightness, you know, in the body and stress, then the, on the first breath, we take three breaths. The first breath we say, breathe, you know, just silently in your mind, just say, breathe and, and take a, a nice deep breath, just bringing attention to the inhale and the exhale. Mm-hmm. And that gets the attention of the mind out of the mind and into the body. Yeah. And on the second breath, you say, relax or calm. And here you let go of any tension in the body and the hands and the back or neck, wherever it might be, you just let go of, you know, the tightness that we get. Mm-hmm. And on the third breath, you, you ask yourself, what's important now? And in that third breath, so now we've created a little space and we're calming down the nervous system, relaxing the breathing. So now we say what's important and that's where we can connect to values or maybe we're in a conversation with one of our children or partners or a client at work and we can really say what's important right now? Is it being right or winning or making a point or getting this task done? Or is this relationship important or something else? So that's how we connect to purpose too in that third breath. Mm, I love that. That's awesome. So the way I remember it, because the, the, the thing to do now is to remember these things. Yep. You just have a little post-it note on your mirror or your, in your car dashboard or at work that just says, breathe, relax, and then ask. Or some people write important on the third mm-hmm the third breath and just stick that post-it note around until it becomes a new habit. Cause we do need reminders. You know, we do. We're not going to, when we're reactive, we're, we're, we're reacting and we're not remembering. Yeah. Easy, portable. I call these micro practices. So I use a lot of, you know, regular mindfulness meditation practices and then little mini or micro practices that we can do throughout the day to reset. So do you have any upcoming projects or things in your future that you would like the audience to know about? Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for asking. I, um, I, I'm, still, uh, I'm still in this book tour, which has been very exciting and doing a lot of events. I've, I've, um, I have a, an email that I send out mm-hmm. about every 10 days where I share writing and tips and practices for mindfulness, I would love your audience to sign up for that at purposeblue.com or on my author website, www.lauriejcameron.com. So either way, they can sign up for my newsletter. And I list all my upcoming speaking events. And, And here in Maryland, I've I've got um, on August 7th, I'll be doing a talk in Frederick uh, at a bookstore there. And then I've got another big event in October, one in September and one in in October um, for, I'll be speaking with Dan Goldman. He's really the father of emotional intelligence here in the U.S., made, made that famous, that whole framework of emotional intelligence. So we're both, we're the opening and closing keynote speaker at the Maryland Health Education Annual Conference. So that should be really an exciting event. And I just, um, on my website, I've got a lot of talks and meditations and blog posts and books and apps and resources for people to 
to utilize, to bring into their own life, because I really encourage everyone to experiment. There's not one size fits all. So find out what works for you and make that commitment that you're important enough to do, to do this. It's, it's yeah. life-changing. It is. It truly is. Well, I appreciate that you took the time on your book tour to talk to us today. It was a really fun conversation. I enjoyed it. And um, I encourage everybody to go out and get the mindful day because I think too, you know, each chapter has little how-to sections and it just yeah makes it much more relatable. And Great. So Thank con- you so much. You're welcome Elizabeth, for inviting me on and being in conversation with me. I know we're both uh, really sharing similar ideas and our own how-tos on how to navigate this world. Absolutely. So that's been really fun for me. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And uh, thanks again. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Lori Cameron. Her book, The Mindful Day, has really impacted me the way it's structured, you know, it's short, easy chapters, very powerful information in each chapter, but also at the end, there are little how-to, like this is how you implement this little strategy into your mindful day. And it's practical, but it's also, it's moving and I think impactful. I'm going to read one more quote from her book that spoke to me about the mindfulness practice. And she says, if you commit to just one mental training, this mindful meditation should be it. Well, I hope you all have a mindful rest of the week and join me next week on the Woman Warriors podcast. Ciao for now from this woman warrior. Thanks for listening and subscribing to the Woman Warriors podcast. Music was written and performed by Andy Cush. If you'd like more information on this episode, you can find the show notes, the resources shared today, and links to the guests' profiles at womanwarriors.com.